Welcome. You're listening to Community, a podcast about eco-villages from Gen Europe, the European Eco-Village Network. And this week on the podcast, we're talking about love. It's everywhere. Films, TV, music, media. Romantic love still takes center stage in many areas of society. And yet for something so publicly celebrated, we're not very good at dealing with its messy, complicated and confusing elements as a group. The hard work of love tends to take place behind closed doors. So when things go wrong, it can leave us feeling more alone, lost and confused than ever. But what if we brought it out into the open? That's what inspired the founders of the world-renowned eco-village of Tamera, an understanding that love, human relationships, and thus, for them, the planet itself, can't be healed unless we work together to understand its light and shadows and free it from the fear that they believe inhibits authentic relationships and, at its peak, the achievement of peace. So today on the podcast, talk us through Tamara's pioneering work on love and relationships and community. We're joined by Dara Silverman. Dara works at Tamara's Love School. She's also a group facilitator for visitors to the community, and she's in the community's political group. Welcome, Dara. Yeah, thank you for having me. So before we talk about Tamara and, and its pioneering work on love and relationships, I'd just like to hear a little bit about your background. Where do you come from and what was your path to arriving in Tamara? So I am originally from New York City and I come from, a, from an activist background. Um, I was involved with Occupy Wall Street actually right before coming to Tamara. Like this was a turning point that led me here actually. And um, for a long time in my youth, I was, I was really desperate about the state of the world and um, traveling. I traveled something like 30, 30 some countries, really searching for alternatives to the mainstream dominant system. And um, for an answer, like I was a bit uh, like running from crisis to crisis, trying to, um, I don't know, cover up, like, like bandage the, the wounds of, of uh, what was going on in the world, what is going on in the world. Um, and always working on this kind of symptomatic level. In 2010, I came to Tamara the first time and was kind of blown away that um, this is a place where I feel works on a holistic level, that, that like the project like originates from, from uh, compassion towards the world, like wanting to give an answer to what pain is in the world um, and doing so in a very comprehensive way of, of building a healing biotope which serves to, to kind of model a future system in, in all important aspects of life. And here I found home also where this kind of desperation that I met facing the world situation could be held in community. So it was no longer this kind of lone rider activist lifestyle, but where the political heart can be held among a bunch of other political hearts. And this was really important for me. And what's your role in Tamara now? I'm in a few different areas, um, but my main professional line is working for the Love School. And um, at the moment, there's a very uh, fine, delicate uh, transition from, from generations. For a long time, the mature founding generation of this project um, carried the Love School. And now um, a process is happening where, where myself and two other women in my age are taking, taking on the responsibility and having these, these elders at our back, which is such a 
an amazing process to do this generation shift so consciously. Yeah, so I work for the Love School, but I also work as a, a group facilitator for when people come from around the world to visit us and study. And I work in the political department as a networker, communications. Okay, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with Tamara, could you just tell us a little bit about it, where it is, a little bit of history, maybe a bit about what it's like today? So Tamara is a peace research center and education center in southern Portugal, in the Alentejo. Um, it was founded 42 years ago, 1978, in the Black Forest in Germany by um, a bunch of pioneer generation people that were really active in the in the 68 student movement um, were very involved in the political movements of these times and um, who, who, who watched also the collapse of these movements, the political, therapeutic, social movements of the 60s and 70s. And they kind of set out to um, see how global healing could take place. And they very quickly came to the point that um, planetary healing, the movements that would be necessary, can't really come through without uh, work on the issue, like the core inner issues of, of the human being. So of love, of sexuality, of building trust-based community. And then they realized that in order to do that, like in order to uh, work on these core inner areas of human life, a whole other way of human coexistence would need to be established. And so they kind of set out to start a radical experimentation of what it is to live together in a way that trust and truth and mutual support are the results. Yeah, and so this was some 40 years ago. And today we're a community um, of about 150 people, something like 30 children. And we are, I mean, Tamara is, is an emerging healing biotope, which means um, that we look at the, at, the, at the system and we see in, in all important areas of human life where there is destruction, how we, could how we could model something else which leads towards healing. So what does it mean to raise children in a way or educate children in a way that, um, that they can grow in freedom and in trust? What does solar technology look like that does not leave any trace, doesn't exploit the earth, but uses this incredible source of power? What, how, how, to, how to work in cooperation with nature and with the land and with water in a way that leads towards healing. And then kind of uh, important to all areas of life, how do human beings live together in a way that uh, cooperation and solidarity are at the foundation? And so this is a lot of work in in community building, but also in revealing what it is that we love and um, desire. So looking into the areas of love and sexuality also very uh, boldly, I would say. And so Tamara is an incredibly pioneering community in so many ways. And we could talk a lot about its incredible work on water, the, the way the landscape has been healed, the solar, its work with refugees and migrants and so many other things. And I hope in future podcasts, We'll have time to talk about more of those. Um, but today we're talking about love, sexuality, and relationships. And that's an area that Tamara has spent decades working on. And first of all, why is it important for us to deal with this stuff in, in an eco-village or in community? Isn't this a sort of personal and private topic for individuals? Why does Tamara place such a focus on this work? Yeah, so 
Um, good question. <laughs> Very often we think that um, love and sexuality are private issues, personal issues, um, intimate issues, uh, and not anyone else's business. <laughs> and um, we kind of take the radical stance to say the exact opposite, that, that love and sexuality are these immense powers. They're really um, cosmic <laughs> forces of, of uh, huge dimension. Like they'd steer so much of how we, how we behave, how we walk through the world. Um, and they, they've somehow been, been forced into two narrow vessels where, um, you know, as, as a loving person in mainstream society, this is allowed in monogamy um, or else it happens kind of behind closed doors and all kinds of seedy, murky stuff can then come out of this. And, um, and with sexuality, I mean, this is such a world power, such a, a huge force. And if this then is put into, into a um, too tight vessel uh, or it's, it's prohibited, um, what often happens is that it explodes into violence. So hearing you speak about it in these terms about, you know, the, about how the suppression of sexuality and our, our, our true expression of as sexual and erotic beings sort of results in the outbreak of violence and, and you say even war. So is that what it means for Tamara to be a, because it's a, Tamara is, is a peace research center. It's a healing biotype peace research center. So is that what that means to you? It means that through healing love and healing relationships, we have the potential to heal violence, not only interpersonal, but on a, on a global scale. Is that what that means? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, um, we often refer to our practices as uh, free love and free sexuality, which could have a kind of uh, 68 movement, uh, promiscuous sound to it. But what we mean is, um, is freeing love and freeing sexuality from the things that, that oppress it, like um, fear, uh, calculation, mistrust. And if these, if these areas are free, we, like we often work in the sense of um, being mirrors of what's going on in the world. David Baum, he, he writes that um, within a group, a relatively small group of people, if you would stay together, you would, have, you would see all light and all shadow sides of all humanity. And so we try to get to know what goes on in the world, also in terms of, um, of violence uh, or oppression or so within us that we can also get to know the, the level of freedom that would be necessary. Yeah. And, and I want to pick up in a moment just what you were um, saying about the, perhaps some of the misconceptions or the cliches that people might have around your practices. Um, but first, I want to go a bit deeper into to sort of how you enact this philosophy and these beliefs in Tamara. What tools do you use um, to, to deal with this in, in daily life? Because obviously, uh, relationships and sexuality, they're there, living in community in close contact. I guess it can be messy and complicated. Um, so what tools or practices do you use to try and mitigate that and try and make it a a healing and healthy environment for these to come out. Yeah, I mean, a lot is connected to study, actually, that we work a lot um, mentally and spiritually, intellectually, because we find that oftentimes um, 
oftentimes, especially in areas like love and sexuality, where the potential for emotional reaction is huge, um, we try to work in such a way that we can put new thoughts in the places where emotional reactions would just take us. So this, I mean, we study together in terms of uh, having regular spaces where people speak about their insights, where we study texts together, and there's a certain level of commitment within the community for, for character work, for getting to know who I am. I mean, we say that we're a peace research center. And this uh, research element is really important, actually, because I'm here as, uh, as a researcher, but um, as also the research object, like the subject and the object of the research. And so it's like when I have experiences, um, I can put thoughts into what I experience, have insights about them, and then bring them into the community to share that like we commonly, we commonly uh, develop our, our consciousness. And then um, very important is, uh, is the practice of forum in the community. So for 40 years, we've been practicing um, different, kind, different forms of forum, which is uh, social technology where a trust figure and, a, and somebody on their side hosts a circle of somewhere between, somewhere upward of 15 people and one goes into the center of the, of the middle and reveals something. It can be anything. It can be um, what you are dealing with, uh, an insight that you had, uh, anger, fear, um, and to go in and also to tell what you love. I mean, this is often the hottest, but it should be that you reveal something, that it's, um, that it's more than what you would just share it in a normal dinner table conversation. So, and the facilitator guides this process, hopefully with, with humor and a bit of art, uh, creativity. And then the one that was in the middle receives mirrors, reflections to what the circle saw. Because often when we're in our own story and our own uh, problems, we're blind to the solutions or to, the, to our own character structures that keep us stuck in certain cycles. And so this is a major, um, a major tool that we use um, regularly to, uh, to do this kind of character work, to become reliable um, and to work with our ethical guidelines. And we have a set of ethical guidelines also as a community, which the most important ones are truth, mutual support and responsible participation. And I often feel that as a guideline, um, these are really important to, to come back to again and again. If I'm in a state where I could also just follow an emotional um, reaction that takes me down, that I can again return to a certain ethical base that I know that I need because um, I work as a field worker for, uh, for healing on this earth. So hearing this people may may listen to this and think wow this sounds like a lot it sounds like effort it sounds like a lot of work it can maybe sound a bit overwhelming to people coming from um certain cultural norms about how we undertake relationships how how we relate to one another um when people come into tamara and and start to walk this path towards a different conception of of love and relationships and community. 
Um, what are the challenges they sometimes face? Or perhaps is it people who are already sort of, they're already on this path, they already have a different conception? Or what is, what is people's journeys into this new way of relating? Because it's very different. It's very different from how we do it in, in mainstream society. Coming in, I mean, you're confronted with all kinds of character structures and layers in yourself that you oftentimes didn't know were there. Touching these these intimate areas of life bring up all kinds of stuff. I mean, all kinds of trauma points, all kinds of pain points, childhood topics, uh, things that like like also when you when you study about love and sexuality in relation to what goes on in the world, you're also confronted then with what's really going on in the world in terms of a huge uprising of right wing fascism to destruction in the Amazon and horrible plight of refugees and all of this. And this is, this is work. I mean, and to know that this can come up in such a way and be held and seen by the community, this is what is the most healing point because oftentimes we then deal with these things totally privately. I mean, the issues aren't so different than what comes up in a, in a monogamous relationship in a flat in Berlin. The issues come up, but, but they often can't be, uh, like consciousness can't be shed on them. And so this is, um, it's a challenge, but it's also really a gift, I feel. And I mean, we often recommend people when they come that they kind of uh, use their stay here kind of like, like anthropologists or something, getting to know a new strange tribe and, you know, because it, it can be intense. So speaking of challenges, um, we're living in the age of Me Too, a moment where issues of consent and power in sexual relationships um, are very much to the fore. How do you ensure safety and trust in an environment where people are navigating complex emotional and sexual relationships? Um, It's a delicate question um, and it's a very delicate topic. We are living in a, in very intense times where, where a lot of the, the pain and violence in the world um, that has been going on for ever starts to come to the surface. And I'm grateful for this, like that, that people start to come out and to, to um, that the topic is spoken and seen. And in the community, we, we work very much with, with transparency in the first place. So um, that, that we know what is going on and a lot of our ethical guidelines are around working with consciousness, putting consciousness in the places where otherwise we're steered by fantasy worlds, uh, kind of um, rape culture, which is dominant across the world, and transitioning these, these things into, uh, into trust. I mean, the foundation of the work that we're doing is from fear to trust. Yeah. And how does that look in a culture of uh, putting sexuality back into its humane essence? So we, I mean, on a more practical level, we ask that people, especially when people come here from outside, that they really check and that they go slow and that they again start to find their voice in what they wish for and what they don't. So yeah, I just want to come back to something you mentioned a little earlier. And so this theme of love, sexuality, relationships, um, it's something that on the one hand has a lot of misconceptions and cliches surrounding it for people who perhaps aren't so aware of of what goes on inside the eco-village movement. Um, There might be fear around it. Um, On the other hand, it's also something that comes up quite frequently as a concern for people who are thinking about moving into community. 
And I mean, it was definitely on my mind as, as a single person when I decided to take the step to, to stay permanently in a community. Um, it was something that I was thinking of, what does this mean for me? Does this mean that I'm going to be uh, single forever? Or if I'm going to be, you know, in all kinds of strange relationships, you know, these misconceptions and ideas come up and their fears for people who, who want to live in community. I think especially young people, people who don't have a family, aren't quite sure what they want from, from a relationship at this point in life. Um, so are there any, from your experience, um, are there any maybe misconceptions that you'd like to clear up um, about this area? Sure, I can try. So, uh, I mean, again, the, the terms free love and free sexuality lead to so many fantasy pictures, I think, often. Um, to free love and free sexuality from fear also means that we can step out of the kind of definitions and boxes that, that love and sexuality are so often put into, um, and to define these things anew, to find out what is actually my truth in, in love and sexuality. And this can change over time. Very often we are in situations then where we have to, we fall in love and we think that this is the one, and after some years, it loses steam, and then and then we move on to the next one. I mean, we we also live in a in a dominant culture of serial monogamy uh, in many areas. And um, what does that mean to be able to be truthful in love? Like that that you can walk a path of partnership if that is the right thing, and you can also live uh, live a life of of freedom in in sexuality. I mean, all, all, there is no, there is, at least in this project, there is no cookie cutter image of how one lives in love and sexuality. If you ask uh, every different person in this project, you would have um, 150 different answers for how we, how we do it um, and what constellations and all of this. But the essential thing is, is the possibility to, again, be truthful about what we love and what we desire. And this is really important because... Um, because most of the time in love relationships, we are living in uh, in secrecy. And, and um, I mean, I can speak for myself that before I came to Tamara, I was um, constantly in trouble in, in love because I was in monogamous relationships and I actually loved the people that I was in monogamous relationships with. But um, my sexual desire was something else and also my loving impulses. Like I had impulses then to go with others and also to love more than one. Um, and I was constantly in a state where I was lying either to myself and suppressing it and suppressing it until I found a good enough reason to break the relationship. Um, or I was lying to the other and going behind their back and then was always full of guilt and shame and um, thinking that there's really something wrong with me. And so to then be in a place where, where the truth of what we long for is allowed and that there is a certain ethical foundation that what we do in love and sexuality should not create pain and suffering in anyone involved. And so this is sometimes a delicate thing to navigate, but I can say that it is, uh, it is such a relief to be able to live truth. In my case, this looks like that I have a, an intimate partnership of eight years and that's already something to really learn to uh, walk a path of love and, and figure out what that means with, with one intimate person and to be in, in a state where I am allowed to love whoever I want um, 
and that I can follow my erotic impulses. And this is such a new experience to be able to um, come home to my beloved uh, and say, hey, I, I experienced something so beautiful today. I want to share it with you. And to like to be seen and recognized in each other's uh, true erotic beings is is the greatest gift because you're seen in, in your essence, in that which normally is hidden or shared only with one other. Thank you. And finally, um, obviously we're living in, in challenging times and I guess for, for someone working in the field of, of healing and, and peace through, through loving relationships, um, seeing the state of the world, it may feel easy to be challenged, frustrated, uh, you know, heartbroken at what we're seeing, the, the anger, the division, the, the violence. Um, what brings you hope? Thank you for this question. Um, I mean, I, and also this is a big reason why I work in, in the love school, um, because as much desperation as there is um, in this area, but also globally, I find there is also such a foundation for hope um, when we return to our true sources. I mean, I perceive that we live on a planet which is so full of sensual beauty and so um, erotic in its, in its constant unfolding and regeneration and um, strive towards life, thriving life. And that, that source is also within the human being. And over some thousands of years, over some millennia, we've gotten off track and, um, and gone down a, a, a track of destruction. But the origin is this huge power, this huge loving power. And um, I believe in that in, in the human being. And I want to work for a world which, um, which nourishes that source in, in humanity, in the heart of humanity, that we can again become the, the stewards for this thriving life on earth. And I do believe that this is possible. Thank you so much, Dara. It's been really a pleasure to speak with you. Um, hope we'll be able to speak again soon. And yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to Dara and hearing about the wisdom of a community that spent decades engaging with topics of love, relationships and sexuality. But something we want to make clear on this show is that there is no one way to be in an eco-village. We have many things in common, a commitment to social, economic, cultural and ecological sustainability but as many things that distinguish us. While issues of power, trust and communication are frequently dealt with in eco-villages, probably more than in mainstream society, each eco-village deals with ideas around love and relationships in its own way, some focusing deeply on it and some not at all. In future episodes, we'll be talking more about this, as well as the joys and pitfalls of dating in eco-villages and a long-dreamed-about eco-village dating app. Stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tamara, you can visit their website, tamara.org, to see more about their research and their upcoming courses. You can find more resources about eco-villages at geneurope.org. And if you've enjoyed the show, we encourage you to become a supporter. You can become a member of Gen Europe or make a one-time donation at geneurope.org forward slash donate. Subscribe to our newsletter and check us out on social media to get news about eco-villages and upcoming events. Finally, we'd love to know what you think about the podcast. Send us a message on Facebook or drop us a line via our website to let us know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear from us. Thanks for listening.